Well, you're about to do it. You are about to profess your faith, profess your trust in the forgiveness of your sins, recite the Apostles' Creed with the congregation and become a full member in the body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, and also this individual congregation of followers called First Methodist Carrollton. You've been thinking about this for a long time. You've been to classes for almost a year. You've been learning about the church, and you've been learning about the church universal. You know we're going to do some things with water today as symbolic to the, of the decisions you have already made as you have come to mine and Cindy's office and told us about your faith in Christ and your readiness to join the church. So all that we do today is going to further help to cement that decision that you've made today so that it stays firm in your minds and in your hearts. We are here to celebrate your arrival as a believing member of the body of Christ. We are here as a congregation to share our testimony that you have been trained in the scriptures, that you studied, and that you are ready to make this decision. As your pastor, I'm ready to say that you're ready, as any 12-year-old might be, to follow Christ. You do not expect him to follow Christ today as if you were 75, because you're not yet. But you are expected to give him all that you have, of all that you are, from this moment forward. It's a big decision. Baptism, the act of baptism, is something we intend to do once within the Methodist church. It's a remembrance of this baptism that's so important to us for the rest of our lives. The memory can't be repeated over and over again and have any meaning unless it is in our heads and in our hearts, not simply in an object such as water. It must be something that's happened in your heart, which is what John is testifying about in the scriptures here. And we're going to get to that in just a moment. But I want you to remember today as you get ready to make your decision that you haven't done this on your own. In fact, you have never been alone in this process up to this point. Before you took the shape and size with the beauty and the handsome features you have today, you were a little bitty baby. And as generally speaking, babies are just kind of ugly. But you know what happened when you were born? Your parents took you just like I took mine and said, that's the most beautiful child I've ever seen. Now, they were lying, but that's okay. That's what parents do. But you know what? Look at you now. After 12 years or so, you begin to look like who you're going to be the rest of your life. Those baby features have fallen away, and now you're becoming youth. But you know what? Soon those youthful features are going to fall away, and you're going to look like adults. And if you think things have moved slowly now, don't worry. Things are about to speed up. You're going to be aging right in front of your parents' eyes. And every now and then, when they're not grounding you or making you do extra work chores because of things you've done wrong, they're going to look at you and say, oh, my goodness, they're going to be grown up and gone soon. And then soon after, they're going to go back to grounding you and trying to keep you in line. They're going to keep everything straight to help you keep straight who you are and the choices you've made. So when you come forward today... Know that not only have your parents been doing that, but this church has been nurturing you. 
You have been part of a community that you are willingly joining today, just like these mentors have done who are sitting with you. You may be called on someday soon to be a mentor for another child who's becoming a youth, to walk with them on their journey of faith, to assist them, because that's the way the community of faith does, because the Christian faith really is unknown in the scriptures except through community. Individualized expression of faith in Christ really only makes sense in the scriptures when they're done in the community of faith. It's been that way all along. Different cultures accentuate the individualized nature of it a lot. But it's not the way it was written in the scriptures. In the scriptures, it has always been understood that once you make a decision in Christ, you are to cling to your brothers and sisters in Christ, and they are to cling to you. And the reason for that is simple. You really can't get from where you are now to where Christ wants you to become by yourself. The task is too difficult, the journey too long. You need to make that journey with others. And as you have begun even now as a community of faith to do that, I'm going to ask the congregation to demonstrate that to you today. Sometimes when children are baptized for the first time, people get excited when they're baptized, and so does everybody involved, and they should, and they want to applaud for that. And we forget that when we applaud for the ones who are being baptized, that the ones who are being confirmed have already been baptized, and they didn't hear the applause. Today, we're not here to celebrate the water nearly as much as we are here to celebrate your profession of faith, because it's by faith you're saved. And by faith alone, water cannot save you, only your faith. And so I'm going to ask all the congregation to demonstrate that today, that we do not clap or applaud for any single individual when they are immersed or sprinkled or when they're confirmed, but rather after they have all been done that way, we will introduce them to you as a new part of the church and we will applaud for them all together because they're all of them have made the same decision in this past week to accept Christ as their Savior, and to become a part of the church of Jesus Christ. Now, confirmands, I want you to help me check and see who breaks the rules, okay? Would you write their names down for me? So we'll, get, we'll, take, we'll talk to them after, all right? We're one in this deal today. Now let's talk about the text. There are three things in this text I want to lift out to you quickly. First, verse 10, first part of it. Those who believe in the Son of God have the testimony in their hearts. I've already been talking about that. I just want to emphasize this to you. Whenever people tell you that you didn't get baptized the right way, or you didn't join the right church, or that you must be baptized again, or that you must do this or that in order to be a Christian, you must tie your shoes only with black shoelaces, or you must only sit in churches that have pews and not chairs, or if you can only worship in a certain kind of building, or you're not a Christian, I want you to remember this. What's in your heart determines whether or not you're a Christian or not. Everything else is secondary. And that voice that you've heard talking to you inside of your head and inside your heart, it's real. And that's where the confirmation of being a child of God comes from because you hear the Spirit of God speaking to you. And I want you to claim that today and hold on to it as you participate in this service. Because things will happen that will challenge you along the way that will make that hard. And this is the testimony of God according to verse 11. It's God's testimony. 
God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Let me read it again. God gave us eternal life. And his life, this life is in his son. It's a gift. You are receiving it today and thanking God for it. 99% of all salvation moments are because of God who initiates his love for each of us. He calls us to himself. We call that grace done in a prevenient way. You didn't even know it when you were a baby. We were praying for you. You didn't even know it when you were growing up and you were three years old toddling around and breaking everything you could get your hands on that your parents were praying for you. You didn't know that when you came to church, you met Sunday school teachers who were praying for you before they taught you the lesson. You didn't know that all along your trip, even through end zone, people have been praying for you for this moment this day. And every act like that that has been done is an act of God's prevenient grace as well as the secret voice of God telling you inside that you're ready to be a Christian. That grace that comes before is wonderful, but today you're declaring that your sins are forgiven. You're accepting that grace. Today, you're declaring that you are one with God, that you believe in God. That's justifying grace. Today, you are clinging to the idea that your sins have been forgiven and that you belong in the community of faith. Hallelujah, that's a bright and special day. Today is the day you know that you belong in God's hands. But you know what's going to happen after today? You're going to go back to school. There are probably going to be a lot of kids that you might not even tell them you were baptized or that you joined the church by being confirmed today. You might not want to talk about it with people who you don't know who will understand. Because sometimes they might make fun of you or they might laugh and say, oh, that church stuff, nobody goes to church anymore. Why are you doing that? And you know what's going to happen? You're going to get older and you might go to college and some professor someday, some wise and learned man or woman in a classroom is going to tell you, that there really is no God. That's just a crutch for people. You'll be sitting in a psychology class probably when you heard this. That's where I heard it. And when that happens to you, I want you to remember that though they say that about you and though they believe that, I want you to remember this day, the day that your sins were forgiven, you were pardoned, and that you knew you became a part of the family of God. I want you to remember that always because you see this last verse says in verse 13, that I want to read, that you may know that you have eternal life. Today I'm going to tell you how to be sure that you can know that you always have eternal life. There are people who will tell you, and they're partially right at least in Doug's understanding. I understand how slanted that is, correct, but slanted, that whenever you're baptized and you believe you're a Christian and you're a Christian forever and your place in heaven is secured, that's called unconditional surrender, unconditional salvation. It means that once you make a decision once in time, when your sins are pardoned and your sins are justified through the blood of Jesus Christ, that you will always be a Christian. And that's a doctrine, that's an important doctrine. There are others who believe that you can also know you're always in God's hands. It's called conditional understanding of justification, which means that as long as you continue to believe, and these verbs in this passage of Scripture are continuous, present tense, action, Greek verbs. It says once you believe and keep on believing, that's how you know you're saved. As long as in your head and in your heart you know you believe in Jesus, whatever else is going on in your mind, you know that you're saved. 
And that's a lot more sure than getting wet. That's a lot more sure than attending church. It's a voice of God that never stops speaking in you. It's a voice of God that continues the transformation that's already started in you. Today you're growing up and you're changing to be young adults, young youth headed toward adulthood. Your life is going to change. The only way you can move in your faith is if you change with it. You see, God wanted you to be saved today and to make this declaration, but he doesn't want you to stop here. The Christian faith is not a one-time moment where you do something and it takes care of everything forever. It's the beginning of a journey. You know, how long have you known me now? Five years, most of you? Most of you sitting here have known me five years now? Think of how wise you thought I was five years ago when I first got here. Can you remember that? Probably not. Not so much. Well, think about what you think of me now. Oops, I might have changed, right? We all change. And the only way that you can stay safe from those who doubt the faith claims you're making today is to continue to grow in grace. See, the grace of Jesus Christ is not something you put it in your pocket. It will explode your pocket if you did. Because it grows as you grow. Your understanding of Jesus expands. Your understanding of God expands. And your love for others expands. That's sanctifying grace. And that is the only thing that will protect you from the temptations that are going to come your way. When you go to college, as you go through life, as you get so busy you don't think you have time for Jesus, it is only the power of sanctifying grace that will keep you in touch with the God who saves you. Now, where do we find that sanctifying grace? In community. You can't do it alone. When you try to do it alone, you are sure to fail. So for the people who tell you, I believe in Christ, but I don't need the church, they don't understand Christ and they don't understand the church. They mean well. And they're talking about an individual experience which is only so strong and it cannot stand up through time without the fellowship of other people to help you study, to help you grow, to help support you when days get tough because days will get tough as you grow older. But remember this. If you are allowing the grace you're receiving today to grow inside you, that grace will always be sufficient for what you need. And whenever you're weak, you will be able to lean over in the community of faith and put your hand on the shoulder of another believer who's more mature, and they will take you through the rough spots. They will hold your hand. They will pray for you. They will care about you even as they've done now when you've been a children all through your adult years. And that is why the church is the vehicle of sanctification that God has ordained into its existence. And I pray for you that you never get tempted to go it alone. Because when you do, you are sure to fail. Sure to fail. Can you remember that? Remember I asked you before we started to stay with me for 10 minutes. My 10 minutes are up. But I didn't hear very many yes. Can you remember that? Can you remember that? There's 12, 14 of you. Can you remember that? Okay, you can remember what? <laughs> See how easy it is to get tempted? See how easy it is to go to sleep on me? See, it'll be just that easy tomorrow too. But, but, you're forgiven today and you know it. Remember. Don't stop. Keep going. Keep going. 
but Christ is with you.